Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of leading conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, we have a very special guest, Alan Cohen. He is the author of more than 20 books, all inspiring the reader to consider a life well lived and how to live it themselves. He has spent a lifetime, well, maybe not a total lifetime, but a lot of his lifetime, um, sharing with people how to find their own path and live their truth. And Alan's going to talk a bit about that today. Alan, welcome to the show. Cheryl, it's an honor and delight to be here. Thank you. It's great. So where are you today? I'm on the big island of Hawaii looking at the Mauna Lea, Mauna Kea volcano, I should say. Oh, so, and you're not just vacationing, you live there, right? Yeah, we live on the north shore of uh, Big Island. Oh, lovely. So, okay, so let's talk about this. So for many people around the world, um, Living in paradise, which is what most of the tropical islands feel like to people, living in paradise seems like um, it could be a far reach. And it typically isn't about money. It's typically about a dream that seems unattainable. When did you decide that it would be a good idea to live in Hawaii? Um, I was invited to speak at a conference here, and I lived in New Jersey my whole 34 years until that time, and I took one step on the beach, and I thought, I did not know that this beauty existed, and I'm definitely not in New Jersey anymore. (laughs) So um, I just felt so at home and so nourished Mm -hmm. and so connected. I knew I had to live here. So within the next year or two, I made plans and I moved over here. But the idea is that my intention was strong and I was clear. And, you know, when, you're, when your intention is strong and your mind is clear, things come to you without a lot of struggle and effort. It's exactly what happened to me. And so did you have connections and responsibilities that you had to um, navigate or rearrange in order to make this kind of a move? Um, I had some. You know, my my mom was ill, and she actually passed on during that period. And uh, but you, but you know, Cheryl, um, when you really want to do something, you find ways to do it. And yeah. um, I, I I undid my teaching relationships and my community relationship with love and and dignity and integrity. And you know, living here for how many years now? Thirty some odd years now. I see that lots of people come here and they expect that they're going to find their soulmate or establish their healing center, mm. but they're not really a match to it because they're still searching for something outside themselves to fulfill them. Other mm. people come, and they're a match to it, and their hearts are open, and they're self-contained, and they're self-actualizing, and they stick because they're, they're not chasing a carrot. They're actually following their inner flow, and they're proceeding more from creativity and joy than emptiness and lack. And that, that's what I've learned from watching lots of people come and go here over many years. That's a very interesting perspective. Not chasing a carrot, but following the flow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, I know you know a lot about following the flow. You 
teach a lot of people about that. And I love your way of teaching because you you offer your wisdom up as a possible way to consider things and then leave it up to the student to decide if that's for them or not. And yeah. it's so graceful. Even even in your your wisdom that is filled with expertise, um, there's so much room for the individual listening to you to yeah. allow it to integrate or not. That's a, yeah. that's quite a skill for a teacher. Well, I've operated for many years under the belief that each of us is a genius if we can just contact it. And I teach a life coach training program, and one of the unique aspects of the program is that the coach in this particular scenario is not the expert or the guru or the psychic or the advice giver. The goal of the coach in this model is to recognize the client is already brilliant, the client already has his or her own answers, so the coach seeks to extract the answers from within the client rather to impose answers from an external source. And my coaches love this because the burden is off of them to be a guru and yes. know everything. And they, they're amazed and floored by how brilliant clients are when they <laughs> get in touch with their own wisdom. So it's a wonderful model and it works if you know how to use it. Absolutely. I am right there with you. I have always felt that in the years, many, many years that I've done executive coaching, you know, we're not here to fix people. We're here to help them reveal their own brilliance and their true nature, right? And um, true nature gets buried a lot, unfortunately, by um, responsibilities and sometimes false beliefs and sometimes taking on other people's expectations as one's own. Um, Did you ever have any problem with that yourself? Were you kind of living someone else's life almost? I kind of gave that up a long time ago. I just I was was never good at living anybody else's life. I would go to when I was in my 20s, I would go to weddings with my mother, and she would elbow me and said, when are you going to get married? And I said, Ma, don't, don't hold your breath. <laughs> I was never really good at following in those footsteps. Um, but, you know, it is a big issue for lots of people, as you well know, that they're following somebody else's dream, their parents' pressure or their religion's pressure or their culture's pressure. And I work with an awful lot of clients who are pecking their way out of the shell, so to speak, of the limits and, and burdens and guilt that their you know, externals have put on them. And their huge transformation comes when they're willing to claim their own path rather than walk somebody else's. So as you well know, as the kind of coaching you do, it's so exciting to see people pop out and say, hey, this is my life and this is what I would choose. And of course, there's, there's joy in observing that as well as being the client. Indeed, indeed, it is. Um, it is quite uh, rewarding and exciting, and sometimes um, extraordinary to mm. experience this with someone else. Um, you know, I, I it, it always um, is so affirms for me how how our inner well, our true nature, as I mentioned earlier, our true nature really knows for us. And um, I, as I watch the path of many people and, and kind of the 
as people age through the decades, um, it seems that, you know, our true nature kind of gives us a pass for a while and right. says, all right, you know, you want to live this kind of life, you know, are you okay? You know, if you want to ignore me, oh, okay. And then at about, you know, mid thirties, the true nature starts poking its head a little bit in the forties. It's, more than poking its head, like kicking you in the gut. And by 50s, it's saying, done, we're done. We're doing me. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's just kind of fascinating to watch this, you know. And, um, and I think sometimes, you know, how would life be for individuals if we really began to support one's true nature when they were babies, you know, toddlers, you know, little kids? Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, you know, you and I wouldn't have a job and that actually would be okay from a perspective of people would be living their best self. Yeah, that would be an ideal scenario, wouldn't it? And I, yeah. I, I just have this vision that if each of us were actually true to our gifts and talents and passions and visions, then everything would get done. Like some people would like to be a waitress. Some people would like to pick up garbage, believe yes. it or not. And and you know, yes. I, you know, I, I believe that there's universal wisdom, and that great spirit, by whatever name we want to call it, guides us yes. to be in our right place, such that it will serve us and also serve the community. And that's the sweet spot: following your own joy mm. and serving the community. And there really is a sweet mm. spot if each of us can have the guts to claim it. Yeah, yeah. So, where? What do you think the primary fear is, or the primary um, barrier to doing that is? Good question. Um, well, one is fear of lack because people do things for money that they would rather not do, and if they trusted that they would be paid for following their gifts and passion. They would break out of a rut and do things they would love to do. And the other piece, Cheryl, I think is um, a sense of unworthiness, that who am I to make good money by being myself? And, you know, there, there is a certain ethic that um, if I'm not surf- suffering, I don't, need, I don't deserve to be paid for it. And so people are offered a position or they have a project where they're getting paid well for doing something they love, and they feel like they're cheating somehow. <laughs> So, um, you know, mm-hmm. I think we need to step into our deservingness and worth before we can really claim our right position. Mm-hmm. So, boy, I, you know, when I think about teenagers and all of the um, angst that exists these days in the, in the teen years and the expectations and the, of course, you know, we can we can put a lot of blame on um, uh, social media, but I'm not so sure it's actually the cause. I think it's more of a symptom right, of this right. sense of not being enough, right? right. Um, where does that really, really? What's the genesis of that? Well, I was. It's a really good question. I was coaching somebody the other day, a young woman, maybe in her early twenties. And she confessed that she's addicted to social media. She said, the minute I get up, mm-hmm. I go to Facebook, I'm on it for an hour, and I'm on mm-hmm. it before I go to sleep. And she said, it's just too much, but I, I can't pull myself away from it. And I asked her a direct question. I said, how does this serve you? Like, you know, mm-hmm. why is this more attractive 
than being with people face-to-face spontaneously. And she was very honest. She said, because I'm afraid of people. She said, people judge me, they criticize me, they pressure me. And so I, I prefer not to be with people directly. It's easier for me to press buttons on the screen than to be in a relationship with a living human being across from me. And I think it's kind of systemic and symptomatic of all of us, and it's easier to sit in front of your, you know, your phone than to, than to have a relationship. <laughs> uh, you know, sending pictures of your lunch is not genuine communication. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, think, I, think, you know, I think people hide out in social media. Of course, it has great yeah. benefits, too. But I think a lot of us hide out to the point that it's an addiction rather than a choice. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, what she said about um, it's easier for her to hide or fear of judgment, um, you know, that really uh, squelches that possibility of developing more of herself, right? Um, If we don't have some sort of interaction where we continue to learn or express or evolve, then we're going to be stuck. Yeah, I work in Japan quite a bit, and Japan is even further down the techno rabbit hole than we are, and um, their birth rate is going down because they don't date and they don't have sex, and 25% of people are still virgins at the age of 30, and a lot of people are living at home into the 30s, 40s, and 50s, so, you know, that's an extreme example of what happens when you put aside your humanity in favor of technology. And I think we need people mm-hmm. like you and me and people in our peers who are you know, making a very strong call for people to wake up to their hearts and their aliveness rather than get lost in technology. Mm-hmm. So easier said than done. Um, you know, I know that there's a lot of, um, interestingly enough, here in Silicon Valley, a uh, lot of tech giants who the individuals who do not allow their kids to have um, a lot of digital devices Mm. and have very clear rules about when they can be on them and what they are looking at and typically do not um, use the child's real name if they create an account for the child, for instance, on Facebook or something. Um, And yeah, Oh, yeah, (laughs) because they know, Um, they know that this is not healthy so much and they want their kid to be more well-rounded and they want them exposed to experiences in life and um, to study well and uh, to end up being people who are interested in the opportunities in the world and, and the way the world works. And I always find that fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And there, there's two things that go on. The parents say, well, you know, number one, we want them to be very clear that they're living in a bubble here in Silicon Valley and that that's not what the real world is like. And the, the other is that they, they say, um, you know, when my child spends too much time uh, in the digital world, they tend to get a little depressed. And so, yeah, and so I, I say, so, over dinner, I say, so how do you reconcile that while you are busy building the company that is providing that service? 
And, you know, it's a, it's a dance. It's a very interesting conversation and dance. And you can tell that there's a little bit of just a slight level of discomfort and yet they move toward, well, everybody could do that. And there's also so much good in the world that this service does. And so, um, you know, it's, you know, this is where the, um, the seduction of technology and the opportunity for capital growth um, really takes over, right? Really takes over. And um, I wonder about that because in this capitalist society, we um, have very often moved into arenas. I think of one like, you know, cigarette and tobacco companies um, who on one hand are doing all kinds of things to support um, helping people with the addiction of tobacco and nicotine. And on the other hand, they're doing everything to promote the sales of that. And I'm thinking, hmm, so I've never quite understood how you reconcile that. And um, do you do you ever have conversations like that with people? Do you have any sense of you know what what people think in that way? All the time, <laughs> my my wife and I talk <laughs> talk about that daily, and. I think the bottom line, Cheryl, is that you know, everything in the world is neutral, and it's how you use it that determines its true value. So people call money the root mm-hmm. of all evil, but really, you know, money can be a wonderful blessing when used consciously. Yes. It's the same thing with technology. Technology has a huge potential to change our lives as it has, but when ego gets involved, when greed gets involved, when fear gets involved, when selfishness gets involved, so then it goes south. So, you know, we can't really blame technology, but we have to look right. at who's using it and why and what's keeping us motivated and why do we, why would we choose to use it to the extent that we lose our lives rather than gain them. The, the highest, uh, the number one cause of teenage death now is texting while driving. And so that's a very sad statistic, but it, it's a statement about how, you know, we allow ourselves to be seduced by technology instead of being its master. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, we have more to talk about with Alan Cohen when we come back from this break. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. 
Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. How is your business running? It should be running smoothly with nary a hiccup, like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Serju Samel. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with my very special guest today, Alan Cohen. So, Alan, you have written many, many books. Um, one of your really well-known books is The Dragon Doesn't Live Here Anymore. And another one is Are You As Happy As Your Dog? <laughs> the first time I saw that, first time I saw that, that title, I thought, huh? Because <laughs> when I think about a happy dog, I think about somebody, somebody, here you go, I'm making the dog a human. I think about a dog who is well, just like so happy and so, you know, when you come home, it's like you are the only exciting thing in life. And um, it's like that unconditional love. And so when you ask the question, are you as happy as your dog? What are you trying to get to? Well, Years ago, someone told me, uh, I pray to God daily to just be as happy as my dog. And <laughs> at, at that time, I had a little Pomeranian. His name was Munchie. He was my beloved companion for 16 years, saw me through thick and thin. So I began to study him. And I thought, I realized <laughs> that even though I was teaching happiness, that he was actually more joyful than I was. So I, be, I thought, what can I learn mm. from him? So I began to observe what he did, and I noticed that he was always happy to see me, and whether I was away for a week or a month traveling, when I'd come home, he'd be jumping all up and down. He didn't stand there with his arms crossed saying, it's time we discussed your commitment to our relationship. He was just, he was, <laughs> he was just you know, he was just happy. So anyway, um, I just observed him for a couple of months, and I realized that he was so in touch with joy and so in touch with his nature and so delighted to be alive and have his playtime with me and his walks and his toys that I could learn from him. So I made this little booklet. It's very short with a lot of illustrations and it became popular. You know, someone, someone sent me a letter said that they, someone uh, attended the Bahamian, the Bahamas Supreme Assembly of Parliament or whatever 
And they read from that book as the invocation. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so my, and that book got me to Greece. I was invited to Greece to speak and to Japan. And um, you know, but you know, following up on an earlier conversation, that book came totally out of my joy. It had nothing to do with wanting to be famous or make money. It was just, hey, I want to express what I learned, and maybe some other people enjoy it. And the book went on to be popular, and it really opened all kinds of doors for me in my career. So, so just following that flow that we spoke about earlier results, you know, it's not just a woo-woo, airy-fairy thing, follow the flow yeah. and follow your heart, blah, blah. It actually right. creates uh, material, tangible results in terms of money and career and connections and relationships. It's, it's really a very powerful success method. Mm. So why... Why do you think that people just are resistant? I mean, are we resistant to be happy? I think we're, we're afraid. And, you know, the motto of the ego is maintain the status quo at all costs, even if the status quo mm. sucks. And so, <laughs> so people um, have been trained to believe that I'm safe in this, in this job and I'm safe with the yeah. amount of money I'm earning. I'm safe in a relationship that isn't really fulfilling. And so we tend to hide on the known uh, instead of exploring the unknown, even if the unknown would bring us far greater reward than the known. Oh, you know, I that has always interested me, the whole concept of security, you know, um, job security or relationship security or, you know, what, fill in the blank. And, you know, I've always... And this isn't always. Somehow, as a kid, I even knew this. Um, would say, well, actually, there is no such thing as security. <laughs> and and you know, and I would think, what what is it that makes people want to stand still? Because that's how I when I was young. That's how I I the metaphor for security for me was standing still. And I always had this curiosity about what's out there, you know, what is it like? And always wanted to explore. And so, you know, and I wondered with our current culture where there's so much talk about um, you've got to be safe, you've got to be careful, you've got, and there's, and of course, there's so many millions of great things going on in the world which we don't hear about every day. We typically hear about all the pain and suffering and building fear. And so I just really wonder um, what, um, you know, this, especially this young generation, the last couple of generations uh, of kids, how are they ever going to really feel that they can be out in the world and be safe as an explorer or even be curious, you know, I mean, has the security issue just dampened their curiosity in itself? Hmm. Another good question. Well, you said there's no real security, and that's true if we're searching for security in outer stuff like cars and sex and positions and all that yes. kind of stuff. But I have found, Cheryl, that there really is a security in integrity, there's a security mm-hmm. in self-trust, there's a security in connection to higher power of some kind, that when all else in the outer world falls away, there are inner attributes and experiences that sustain us. 
what was yeah. that Eagles song? When when all else fails, love will keep us alive. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, once yeah. again, it sounds kind of airy-fairy, but, but really, the older I get and the more I walk through life, the more I value my relationships and mm-hmm. my friendships and my partnerships. And I don't have children, yeah. but we have dogs, and I value my connection yeah. with my dogs. And I value being in nature, and I value creativity. I value my prayer time, my meditation time, mm-hmm. my yoga time. And so all those things are not things I have to import from the outer world. Those are things that are right before me. So I want to go deep instead of horizontal, so to speak. I, you know, I want mm-hmm. to plumb life where I stand instead of constantly reaching out to import something new that's going to do the trick for me. When, when nothing I've ever reached out for like that has done the trick. It's all, it's all, for me, it's all about going in and living from the mm-hmm. inside out. Mm-hmm. And so, in some ways, that explains why, for many of us, um, we haven't faced what has gone on in our lives. We have, yeah. it's shown up, right? And we go, oh, yeah. oh, hey, that looks really interesting. <laughs> yeah. And and that's not to say that we shouldn't plan or we shouldn't, you know, vision what we would like, but it, it's a different way of being in the world. And, yeah. um yeah. And and being in integrity is so important in um, my perspective. It has become even more and more important as I have grown uh, older and um, began to be so good at knowing myself and knowing when I am out of alignment, when I am off center. And, um, you know, it, it used to be that, you know, I would have to go, you know, 90 degrees off center before I would recognize, oh, well, no wonder this is not working. And then I got better at it and I was 45 degrees off center. And then it's like, oh, God, you know. And, and it's just gotten so good now that most of the time, you know, I can be like, degrees off center and go, oh, wait, hold, come back. <laughs> so, and it's a fascinating way to live life, you know, and, and it's not about a, you know, when I catch myself off center that I'm, you know, upset or angry or, um, you know, not like, why can't I just do this? It's really about noticing. It's like, oh, I have a choice now, you know, oh, you know, no wonder this feels kind of something feels off. And, um, you know, and that is a practice. And I teach my clients that a lot um, mm. because when they are able to get that in touch with themselves and most of the time it's through the body, right? That's the first uh, domain in um, where people can begin to understand the resonance of the energy. Mm. And mm. so... You know, it, it's just, I love watching it as they really embrace it. And it makes an enormous difference in their life. It makes an enormous difference, well, it does for me too, it makes an enormous difference in um, knowing whether, you know, I am in integrity with this choice or not. Mm-hmm. And being in integrity doesn't make it a right or wrong thing. It means, is it aligned with me and my values? Does right. it serve me? And yeah, so it's, it's, I love when, you know, people are able to do that because that speaks back to your sense of that's what real security is, right? 
Well, that's so beautifully stated, basically because I agree with you perfectly. <laughs> uh, we always think people who are brilliant who agree with us. But, Absolutely. But, but, uh, but I often teach a very similar thing. I'm so glad to hear you say that, Cheryl, because I believe that our inner being or our guidance or our spirit, whatever you want to call it, is always giving us signals as to whether or not we're on track with our integrity and our passion and our purpose or not. And unfortunately, as you mentioned, so many people are so disconnected from their signals that it takes an accident or an illness or a financial disaster or a surprise divorce or some some in-your-face production to get your attention to recognize that, hey, man, I am way, way off. And so what I suggest to people is that you start to notice when you start to feel off instead of waiting for some dramatic thing to happen. So I ask people, I tell people, you know, there's usually some part of your body that speaks to you. You get a sore throat or a stomach ache or a headache yeah. or a shoulder or back pain. And I say, this is a sign that you're now overdoing it or you've now stepped off the path. So instead of working harder or taking a pill or grabbing a joint or a drink, ask yourself, okay, what is my guidance now telling me? This is a helpful signal to put me back on track of my true purpose. And, and as you said, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the early days, it takes a lot to get your attention. But as you get more and more subtle and more sophisticated, it takes a little to get your attention. And you can learn subtly instead of in a gross fashion. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's that those nuances that are the difference, I think, you know, in when I work with executives, those nuances are the difference between the individual who can be sensitive to the organization and what's really happening in the organization and what the culture mm. is you know, really what's emanating from the culture and, um, and someone who is so, has so much tunnel vision and is so focused on chasing the goals and the targets that they Mm -hmm. completely miss it. And they think the organization is going to run itself, you know, and, um, because what I find is execs get so caught up in all of that. Um, and, they believe that the organization must be fine because nobody's telling them that it's not. And, um, and, and so they don't take a moment to turn around and actually reach in themselves, actually reach in themselves into the organization, not just ask their team, you know, so how's it going? Are people happy? Are they burned out? Or, you know, um, because very often as well-meaning as a senior executive team is, um, they sometimes are very careful to not deliver bad news. And, and that is also because the, the CEO or the president of the company um, has not been successful in creating the invitation in a way that people can trust. And so when they begin to practice this um, sense and this nuanced sense of, of being able to feel what's out there and feel what doesn't feel right, even if they can't name it, um, it's quite, um, it's more than eye-opening. For some people, it's, it's, for some people it's devastating because they cannot 
handle. They cannot believe that um, what they thought, what they believed was that, of course, people are going to tell them everything and that they could be so far removed or so blind to what's going on and especially blind to the fact that no, people aren't telling them everything. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's the culture of business and corporations. And I think it's a part of the reason why um, I used to call, you know, when I walked through a corporation, I used to call um, I was, it that I was walking through the halls of the walking dead. Because you would see people that were, you know, walking down the halls and they, the, their spirit was non-existent. You know, they were doing what they need to do and going through the motions and um, saying hi and smiling. And, but, man, they, they were empty, you know. And there, even with a lot of this recognition of, um, you know, how we should treat people and how we should make things healthier and better and more humane, this is a big challenge. It's a really big mm-hmm. challenge. Have you experienced um, with your, with any of your clients, have you experienced a, a situation where there's actually been transformation in that way where, you know, the, the old culture that wasn't necessarily so humane was able to make a shift? Uh, I'm constantly working with people in that process. That's a really great question. Mm. Uh, Some of them are able to make the shift within the culture, and some of them feel like they need to leave the culture. Mm. And a lot of them want to be entrepreneurs, have some kind of holistic practice. And I I never tell them what to do. I don't think I know what they should do. But Mm. I am always urging them to go deeper. Example, um, one of my clients, my coaching trainees, was... uh, she was the complaint department for an electric company in Vermont. And she was there for many years, and she was fried, and she wanted to have a new career. And so we taught her some of the basic coaching skills, one of which is empathetic or effective listening. Mm-hmm. And so she went back to her company, and she began to actually listen to these people and tune into their feelings and reflect what she was hearing and support them and empathize. This is before they even dealt with any of the logistics of the problem. Mm-hmm. And she, she came back to me. She said, I love my job. She said, I'm developing real relationships with my clients. And, of course, I can help them where I can logistically. She says, but, but I'm having so much fun being with them that I'm not, I'm, I'm not burnt out anymore. And, of course, as you can imagine, she's getting far better results than she was when she wasn't really listening. So, yeah. you know, that's an interesting case of how somebody reframed her current job where she could upgrade her experience so it actually worked better. And as I mentioned, some people can't stand and they leave anyway. So it's, a, it's mm-hmm. an individual thing. But the bottom line, dear, is that you know, none of us can afford to be the walking dead. And yes. you know, A Course in Miracles tell, tells us that our tolerance for pain is high, but it's not without limit. And yeah. so I encourage everyone to do whatever it takes to stay alive spiritually where you are. And if that means staying and upgrading, mm-hmm. great. If it means leaving, great. But you cannot afford to walk around and be a zombie because that ain't where it's at. Right. I absolutely, absolutely agree with that. So we are ready for a break now. And so we'll be right back with Ellen Cohen. 
Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. How is your business running? It should be running smoothly with nary a hiccup, like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Serju Samel. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito and my very special guest, Alan Cohen. So, Alan, your new book is going to be coming out um, in about a year, and it is called Spirit Means Business. So, what is this about? It's a result of me working with three different populations, among others, over the years, Cheryl. One is the population we've described where people are working in the corporate arena and they're making good money, have lots of benefits and perks, but their souls are starving and they realize this Mm. can't be it. And I want to have more meaningful existence. I want to serve people. I don't want to just make money for somebody else. And so they're hungry. Uh, The second population are composed of entrepreneurs who have launched that and they're creating a passion-based business that they're satisfied with, but they have to really hustle and struggle to keep uh, stay on top of things and make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And so they've got the passion thing down, uh, but they haven't got the money thing down. They don't see the connection between the two. Yeah. And the third group is composed of um, artistic, creative, new thought, new age, alternative culture people um, who don't really care about money that much, and they never be caught dead in a nine-to-five job, but they can't seem to make money 
doing the thing they love, and so they sell themselves out and do things they'd rather not do just to make money, and they put their um, holistic career on the side. And so what I've discovered is that all three of these populations are missing one key ingredient, which you and I have been talking about, and that's that's the relationship between passion and material success. And they have two different rooms in their house. One is where there's work and money, and the other one is passion and joy. And they don't realize there's a door between those two rooms. So um, I've created this book called Spirit Means Business, which is a double or triple entendre we can talk about. And the idea is that the real key to business success as an individual, as a corporation, is to follow the flow of spirit, is to be connected with your higher self, is to live in integrity, and to make the crucial hookup between inner wholeness and outer expression. And to realize that there is a sweet spot where it all comes together. And so I've identified 10 illusions that I have seen trap most people uh, into uh, compromising and, and losing their joy, or losing their money. And I offset them with 10 truths that really basically explode the myths that keep people from succeeding passionately and materially. Well, tell us about some of those myths. Well, one is that struggle is required. That mm. uh, you know, we've had parents and, and, and authority figures who who talk about the great pains they've gone to succeed and how they sacrificed for many years, and how they finally have their gold watch. And my belief, from my experience, is that a joy and ease are equally powerful uh, roads to success as struggle. And so I, I make a big statement in the book about uh, never, never succumbing to the illusion that if you're not busting your butt, you're not earning your keep. Mm. Um, uh, another one is that I have to earn my good. That there's a lot of people who feel inadequate or unworthy and they feel like I have to prove myself. So I have to get more certificates, more degrees, more accolades. And it's a never-ending, uh, frustrating Sisyphus where you, you roll the rock up and the rock comes back down. And, and, I, I, and in the book, I explain that you are valuable not for what you do, but who you are. And if you believe you have to earn your good, you're never going to get there because there's always the next thing you have to earn to prove yourself. So basically, once again, we're redirecting people to live from inside out rather than outside in. So those are two out of the mm-hmm. ten, just as an example. Wow. Well, and... You know, as I think about, as you you might want to call it, the self-help industry for the last 30 or 40 years, we all been saying the same thing for all these years. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes I, I think, well, okay, so is it that when, you know, the work that a lot of us have done um, isn't sticking, or is it that our systems and our structures in the world are so much more powerful that um, they really direct people's behavior and beliefs more than we, we do ourselves? That's the only thing I can think of that is why you're still talking about this. Well, 
Humanity is a slow learner. <laughs> it takes us. We're very, we're very obstinate and ego-driven and stuck, and it takes a lot to get our attention. And so I think mm. God has come up with all these wonderful self-help authors to say self-help authors to say the same the same thing in ten thousand different ways. Um, <laughs> and, and I think you're right. You know, it's it's you know it's all the same stuff eventually, isn't it? But the good news is that each of us has our own flavor and own experience. I remember when I experienced, when I first wrote my first book, um, I went into Borders. There used to be bookstores, you know. And yes, <laughs> I, went, yes. I, I saw, um, I found my book on the shelf between uh, Chopra and Dyer. Uh. And I, I realized that, you know, there were hundreds of books on the shelf that were saying the same kinds of things I was. Mm-hmm. And I realized, how did I get here? And mm-hmm. I realized that each of us, you know, Dyer has his, had his, his way of speaking, and Chopra has his, yeah. and you have yours, and I have mine. And we have a certain uh, body of experience and angle and flavor and bent mm-hmm. that makes us unique. So there are people who could hear what you have to say because you're saying it from your own unique perspective, and there are people who can hear me more readily. And you yeah. know, each of us has our own population who is attuned to the frequency that we come from, and that's why it all works. There's no competition. Uh, you know, each of us can say the same thing in our own unique way, and have thousands of people who can listen to us and enjoy us and learn for us and pay us and pay us. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I I I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, and and it for me feels really rewarding to be doing this work. It's the kind of work that I. Um, I, it doesn't feel like work to me. It is the kind of path that I can't not do because it right. simply is who I am and right. and feel very grateful for that. Um, and every once in a while, I think, <laughs> what do we need to do to, you know, make this more, I don't know, just sticky. <laughs> Maybe sticky. Yeah. Maybe that's the word. Well, I think, but, you know. I think each of us has to look inside ourselves. I, I'm kind of giving up and cha- trying to change the world. I, I'm more interested in changing myself because I recognize mm-hmm. that the more I change, the more power I have to uplift the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly introspecting and speaking with my partner. But, you know, where am I holding out? And where mm-hmm. is my passion calling me that I'm not living? What am I doing that's defying my passion? And how can I be more honest? And how can I be more integrity? And, you know, where, where does my joy truly live as of today, not last week or last year or 10 years ago? Mm. And so I find that the whole key to my success, you know, my, my, my emotional success and my material success is to do my absolute best to stay on the cutting edge of where my aliveness lives. And mm. from that, I receive personal satisfaction. And from that... I tap in the, into the gifts that can most help others. That, that's the method I've come up with. I love that. And that, those are brilliant questions, brilliant questions. And I, you know, if, if each one of us simply asked, us those, asked ourselves those questions every day, we'd be in a better world, you know. I, I just love that. So we are coming to the end of our show, dear Alan. And I know that people are going to want to know so much more about you and your books and your trainings and just who you are in the world. How can they do that? 
Uh, everything is on my website, alancohen.com, A-L-A-N-C-O-H-E-N.com. Uh, I also teach a life coach training twice a year, which is very powerful for people who want to become mm. certified holistic um, life coaches. Uh, this December, I'm doing a new program called Transformer Training for people who like to step into their power as a leader, teacher, or healer. Um, mm. And then... Next next spring, my new book, um, Spirit, Make, Spirit Means Business, is coming out. This this July, I have another book coming out called The Tao, T-A-O, The Tao Made Easy. So mm. I, think among, I think among those four selections, if people want to connect with me, uh, those are all easy ways to play with me and, and co-create something wonderful. Well, that is awesome. So do people get to come to Hawaii for your trainings? They don't get to. They have to because I ain't going to work. <laughs> so, so, I love it. Uh, actually, people do love to come here. There's a beautiful, magnificent retreat center up perched on a cliff over the ocean in the jungle and the big island that we use with gourmet meals. Mm. And So uh, it, it, this, the groups are relatively small, like 30-ish. And mm-hmm. it's an intimate group. We get to know each other, and I work with people directly. So um, it's a really fun thing to do. And you've been to Hawaii, so you know and love it, of course. Oh, yes. It's, it's just wonderful. Sign me up. All right, Alan. Thank you so much for being with us today. AlanCohen.com and his new book in the spring will be Spirit Means Business. It's great to have you here, Alan. My honor. Thank you so much, dear. Remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.